Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the food space today. I can't even wait for you to meet my guest like he is so he's not only known in the food space but he's he's been a successful entrepreneur in this food space he's been a now he's a multiple entrepreneur in the food space and we are going to dive into some of his lessons learned his great stories and i just can't even wait dave zilko ceo and founder of skinny butcher and the former garden fresh gourmet founder dave it's so great to have you on the podcast beautiful thank you i'm so glad you're here so I was I was laughing before we hit record because, uh, you know, we were getting on to talk about Skinny Butcher. And I can't wait to, to unpack that shortly. And then I was just doing all this homework on Dave and his background in Michigan and in Michigan State, sorry, and, and his work in the food industry. And I was like, God, we got to talk about Garden Fresh Gourmet first. So um, we're going to do that. So typically, Dave, I would say hey to our guests, hey, tell me about your background and how you got into the food business. Why don't we start with that with you? And how did you get started in the food business and launch Garden Fresh Gourmet? Well, uh, first of all, thank you. Terrific to be here. Second of all, kind of part of an only in America story. So I come from very humble beginnings, uh, greatest parents ever, um, got out of grad school and decided to start my own food company, um, needed $2,500 to do so, which was $2,500 more than I had at the time. So I did what every red-blooded American uh, does. You want to start a business and you don't have any money. I applied for a credit card loan with Discover. Perfect. Who soon discovered two things about me. One, I didn't have any income. Two, I had a ton of student loan debt. Sure. So I did what every red-blooded American male entrepreneur does here in this situation. I went to my girlfriend. So <laughs> really? She, she must have seen something in me. So she she did lend me, um, she did sign for that credit card loan. I did marry her. Two beautiful kids will still marry today. People ask me all the time. <laughs> So I'm in this little 400 square foot kitchen making some marinades, made 400,000 of them by hand in a blender, struggling like crazy, make my way to the fancy food show. Yeah, the of course. Of course. So, yep. And meet another struggling Detroit food entrepreneur named Jack Aronson, six foot five, 275 pound world champion softball player. We get back to Detroit. He's telling me about his adventure, $450,000 in debt, had to declare bankruptcy to hold on to his lease, um, took taking the bus to work because his car got repossessed. Literally out of desperation, he told me he was trying to pay his electric bill. He pulls out a five-gallon bucket, very first shot, 15 minutes, makes what is today Garden Fresh Artichoke Garlic Salsa. Really? Um, he and I kind of befriended each other. I got him liquored up enough to <laughs> let me become a partner in the business. You know, what can possibly go wrong? Two flunkies from Detroit with a fresh salsa <laughs> recipe. So the goal was to get the company to 10 million in revenue. We got it to 110 million. By this time, we're media darlings. And I got invited to speak in an investment banking conference in New York, Marriott Marquis in Times Square. Sure. The guy who came after me happened to be the vice president of mergers and acquisitions for the Campbell Soup Company. Yada, yada, yada. We sold the Campbells in, in 2015. So <laughs> you um, just like you blew through the whole story in like three minutes. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because I mean, I, I think our audience is like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I, I, I mean, OK, so you you're you're barely making how long to to get through that period of you know you had all of these you had been making 400,000 or whatnot you know in the kitchen to get from that to something that was product ready 
So I spent 11 years in the marinade business. I bought a mustard company and then I met Jack Aronson. So I refer to that as my lost decade because I made a lot of mistakes. Sure. Jack had a couple lost decades before he met me. And then we spent about a decade building Garden Fresh. Got so, it. Okay. So guys, yeah. everyone listening, let's remember 10 years, barely making it. 10 more years building, right? I mean, now I'm guessing you found some early success once you guys got together and were working together. What Was there a point when you knew, okay, we got something more than just the, you know, break, breaking even? So our instincts at that time told us that Jack created an incredible salsa. Got it. So we were winning on flavor profile. Got it. I brought in my creative director and we eventually made him a partner at Garden Fresh and we really got our branding right. So, you know, when you're when you're fresh salsa from Detroit, you've got to be the best product on the market. Totally. Full stop. Right. I, I mean, for the first two years, I got laughed at all over the country. You know, you're supposed to be making cars in Michigan. Whoever heard of salsa coming from Detroit? Right. So you pretty damn well have the best product, you know, when you're salsa from Detroit. And I define best product by winning on branding, winning on flavor profile. Okay. All right, cool. So I think to everyone listening, they go, got it. You know, it has to taste like I love it. What do you mean by winning on branding? So we we had a, a a really pivotal moment in our partnership. You know, I said to Jack, hey, you you come up with this label in the back of your restaurant. It's fine, but it's not going to meet our needs. So he, I brought in a creative director and said, we got to change our branding. He, I'll never forget this. We were, we were on a around a card table. We didn't have a conference table. And Jack said, let's let's focus on our product attributes. We're high in lycopenes, 10 calories per serving, fat-free, all natural. And my creative director and I, he, he's brilliant. His name is Mike Griffin. He's still with us today. He kind of said, guys, we got to focus on the use occasion. Chips and salsa are something people treat themselves to. Totally. This is something that puts a puts a smile on their face. Right. So <laughs> they're not worried about the up, calories. <laughs> you no, know, we came up with this festive, vibrant, just just a, we internally we refer to our brand personality as a party in a cup. And that was our gave us our guidance to have this wonderfully happy, festive, vibrant, alive. Um, packaging that just spoke to the consumer at the point of sale Got and it. just compelled them because people buy food with their eyes. So it compelled them, hey, this looks really fun. I'm going to try this. And because we're winning on flavor profile from there, once they tried us, we were off to the races. Wow. Amazing. Um, when you start, okay, so again, back, was there direct to consumer at this time or were you really trying to get into retail? You mentioned the Fancy Food Show and other shows like that. Were you getting into retail stores or were you doing e-commerce and where was e-commerce then? It was strictly retail. There was no direct to consumer. We were fresh salsa, which means we were refrigerated. Got it. So okay. Keeping a six pack is is a hundred bucks. Wow. You got to pack it in dry ice all nine yards. Got so. it. Makes sense. Okay. Wow. Amazing. And then, um, you know, as you got to uh, in the fast forward, Campbell's is interested, and then you sell for uh, like quarter million, quarter billion dollars. I mean, so during that process, you know, did you think, wow? I mean, how did you, uh, how did you work through that and decide to sell? Like, what did that look like? So it was a very interesting process. We did not have an exit strategy. Jack was about a decade older than me. And it was, it was the, our exit strategy was however he felt when he was 65. So <laughs> <Got it. laughs> okay. when I started talking to Campbell's, it took me about two months to convince Jack and his wife, Annette, who co-founded the company that, hey, we really need to take this seriously. Jack said, why? I said, I thought as a group, we had taken the company as far as we could. A, and then B, I thought, you know, the, the market 
um, was pretty frothy with respect to how food companies were being valued. So I thought we were taking the company as far as we could, and I liked the valuation that I thought we could get. And I've got kind of an investment banking background. We didn't hire investment bankers. We just, I kind of handled it myself and we were pretty happy with it. It was a nice yeah, day at the office. Amazing. <laughs> a nice day at the office. Now, okay, coming out of that, a couple of things before we get to Skinny Butcher. Uh, we got a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening going, okay, uh, you know, that's, I'd love that one. You know, but w- there was a lot of lessons learned along the way. I mean, you mentioned the 10 years and then the 10 years and so, the decade and the decade. Like, what would be a couple of like two or three lessons learned from that experience that maybe you've been able to now apply with your new um, endeavor? So I characterize building a company, a successful company, as build a company Woody Allen would be proud of. And I know that's kind of goofy, but Woody Allen has this famous saying, 80% of success in life is showing up. So you're, you're kind of talking to the Garden Fresh sales force right now. So I would always tell my board... When I go in to meet with Kroger, Walmart, Albertson, Safeway, Publix, whoever, I don't want to sell to the buyer. I want to have so many strategic advantages layered into our program that our competitors can't possibly match, that all you do is have a conversation. And not only does sales and revenue ensue, but strategic partnerships naturally ensue. So Rome wasn't built in a day, but... After, you know, we were really rocking and rolling with Garden Fresh, we were the number one brand of fresh sauce in both the United States and Canada. Wow. Any buyer in, in North America wanted to have the number one brand of fresh sauce, you can only get it from us. We did a, a licensing deal with Jimmy Buffett's Mar- Margaritaville Food Group, and we licensed the Margaritaville brand. We had it exclusively. Wow. If you wanted Margaritaville salsa, you could only get it from us. Got it. We embraced technology called high-pressure pasteurization. We were the only ones doing this. So if you wanted a fresh salsa or a fresh hummus with an extended shelf life, you could really only get it from us. We were the only top 10 brand of salsa that produced our own line of tortilla chips. Wow. So, Got it. And we had all these strategic points of differentiation that buyers could only get from us. Plus, we would do private label, which a lot of you know strategic people don't do. Um, so we, we there were a lot of times where buyers said, I can't get this from anybody else from you. And if you have something they want, they can only get it from you. You're naturally going to form a strategic partnership. And if you can do that on a consistent basis, you're going to be in business for a thousand years. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think you're right. A lot of and a lot of guests we've had on, you know, they're they're majoring and trying to just get a relationship with a buyer and not thinking of the bigger strategic relationship with like the company or the, the leadership of that company. And so you're, you know, you're just dependent on that one relationship versus trying to build out a broader, you know, longer term relationship. Yeah. yeah. And and if you're selling in a meeting, you haven't built your company correctly because you shouldn't have to sell. Just have a conversation. You know, 80% of success in life is showing up. Just show up, have a conversation, and you should be able to offer that buyer things that your competitors can't. So you're not selling. You're just you're just literally laying it out on a table and sales, revenue, and strategic partnerships naturally ensue. Why? Okay, I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, great, so you just mentioned refrigerated. Well, I sometimes see salsa in the chip aisle, like on a shelf, shelf-stable. Like, why did you choose to do that route versus a shelf-stable product? So what I tried to do when launching a company is identify what I call the holy grail of American capitalism. Look for an emerging category that's not yet saturated and build a better mousetrap and the world really will beat a path to your door. So I started a little marinade company on my girlfriend's credit card loan. I bought a world champion mustard company called Mucky Duck, held it for 25 years, 
It won the world championships of mustard held in Napa Valley, California. I've got a, a, a trophy. It weighs more than the Stanley Cup. I was supposed to give it back after a year. I, I, I told my loss <laughs> at a food show. I always figure position <laughs> is nine tenths of a loss. So anyway, you can't get much better than a world champion product. No doubt. What I learned is that mustard is a lousy business to be in. It's completely saturated. U.S. households only buy it two times a year. The turn is slow. It's kind of boring. So, you know, like it's not. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So, Fresh Salsa was emerging when Jack founded this little company in the back of this Bancorp restaurant just outside of Detroit. So we we caught an emerging category that wasn't saturated. We built a better mousetrap. Then we bought a hummus company and we caught that wave. And then we started doing private label and caught that phenomenon as well. So people ask, how did you guys get from zero to 100 million in roughly 10 years? We kept catching one wave, fresh salsa after another, hummus after another, um, private label and if you can you know look for the if you can find that holy grail of american capitalism and it's there and it's there's always sure. new things that are coming um you know the wind is going to be at your backs which is yeah. a lot better than interface we've had a, a couple of those many of those guests actually on this show in fact uh one just recently in the cookie dough um then you know like there's that whole category is being reimagined and sweet lawrence is on and the founder a couple weeks ago and i'm like man she found like a great little niche and like and it's and, and it's exploding um mm -hmm. Okay, you also wrote a book on your experience called Irrational Persistence, Seven Secrets That Turned a Bankrupt Startup into a $231 million business. Um, okay, let's. why don't you pick a couple of the secrets, maybe two or three of the secrets of the seven that you could share with our audience today in terms of uh, the book? Yeah, so I already have. One is build a company that Woody Allen would be proud of. Got it. Another one is is look for the, the Holy Grail. The Holy American. Grail, yep. But after that, just think of the title of the book. So nine out of 10 new businesses fail, 90% failure rate. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and start a business, it's not a rational thing to do. It's, it's not a <laughs> rational thing to enter something where you've got a 90% failure rate. And then after that, you know, you've got to persist. There was a story in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago that pretty much any business takes 10 years before it really, really comes together. So I had a lost decade before I met Jack. He had a couple lost decades before he met me. Then it took us a decade to do this. So irrational persistence, being an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, you've earned my respect and admiration by definition. It's it's not necessarily an easy life. Uh, it's a very hard thing to do. I'm doing it again. Skinny Butcher is really hard. Um, so just just know that going in, you know, you've got to be irrationally persistent to to get through here. Sure. Well, everyone, you guys can check out the book. Um, and uh, okay, cool. I, I'm so glad that we got to talk a bit about Garden Fresh Gourmet. I knew it would be a good segue into Skinny Butcher. So okay, so you've just had a great exit. Um, it was it. I can't sit around and I need to get on to the next thing because you're an entrepreneur or like and talk about where Skinny Butcher came from and, and how you got started with that. Sure. So after we sold to Campbell's, our Only in America story took a tragic turn. Um, my partner, Jack, who literally one of the greatest human beings I've ever I've ever met, love him, respected him. We had a 13-year run at Garden Fresh. I'm not exaggerating. We never had one argument, let alone even a serious disagreement. We were two very different people, but he was just, I just loved him. So he noticed a lump in his throat, turned out to be cancer, and he went strictly vegan. And we had the same financial advisors, and he loved high-pressure pasteurization. So he opened up an HPP facility here in suburban Detroit. And our financial advisors asked me to get involved as he continued to struggle with his health. 
So I was sales and strategy at Garden Fresh, Jack got product out the door. At the end, we were shipping a million units a week. And um, I looked at what he was doing strategically and really looked at what was going on in the plant-based protein space. This is the moment when Impossible and Beyond were exploding onto the cultural scene. So I said to Jack, you're vegan, you got this HPP operation, why don't we start our own plant-based protein brand? And he loved the idea. So that is the genesis of Skinny Butcher. We're a plant-based protein brand, um, and that's how it all came together. Got it. Okay. And so you, you jump into this space, um, and yeah, it, when I was doing my homework on Skinny Butcher, I, I read a lot of articles that were talking about how you're targeting the retail and the food service markets. Talk about the product um, and where it is and where it started. Great. So you just said something very compelling. You know, what a few minutes ago, what lessons did we apply from Garden Fresh? What lessons can be found in irrational persistence? And how are we applying that to Skinny Butcher? So again, I want to have the best product on the market. How do I define best product? By winning on branding, winning on flavor profile. So let's start with branding. We, with our creative director, Mike Griffin and Jack, while well, we still had him, we actually lost him in August of 21. Um, but we just asked ourselves the question, why can't plant-based be fun? Everybody right. is leaf this, leaf that. There's some chemistry project. I mean, these are chicken nuggets for crying out loud. Right. Why can't we put a smile in people's face? So that is the hallmark of our brand aesthetic. We've got uh, our logo house and this modern pop art cleaver. Um, we've got a retro butcher for authenticity. He's winking at you because there's an old joke that says you never trust a skinny butcher. But he's saying, guys, this is plant-based. Even I'm eating it. You can trust me on this. And the butcher is the second most trusted individual in the store. Uh, we're employing a device called Thought Bubbles. People buy food with their eyes. So the butcher is saying something very fun and very clever to you on every single item. Every right. Thought Bubble and every item is different. My favorite is on our chicken nuggets. He's saying, hey, the cluck stops here. Right. So it's fun, vibrant um, brand voice and brand personality. It's meant to put a smile on the shopper's face when he or she is in the frozen food aisle. So it's developing a relationship right from there. So in terms of flavor profile, we started with the question, why can't this stuff be restaurant quality? And what's going on in the QSR space right now? Everybody's got these Southern uh, fried chicken sandwich wars. Everybody's That's got sure. one. Yeah. So I live in the middle of that. <laughs> Yeah, we, we came up with a proprietary double breading process, and we've got this unbelievable thick crust that we are literally sub-branding as Crazy Crispy. So that's a strategic differentiator for us. We're using pea protein, so we're 100% soy-free. That's kind of the gold standard. Pea protein can have an unpleasant aftertaste. In our spice blend, we're employing these masking agents that cover that. So we've got a really fun brand aesthetic, strong voice, strong personality. Um, we're the gold standard in terms of the protein source. We've got this proprietary double branding we call Crazy Crispy. Nobody else has. So we're winning on branding, winning on flavor profile, just taking a very fresh approach to both. Yeah, very, very cool. Crazy Crispy. Um, chicken breasts, chicken tenders, chicken nuggets, chicken patties, really cool packaging um, and branding. As I was reading, you also, though, launched with Golden West Food Group um, and also some VC investment. So I'm guessing this is a little bit different in terms of a faster start than the last go round. 
Yeah. So when Jack and I started Garden Fresh, we were still running around to party stores in Detroit, right. you know, not doing that anymore. And one, one of my business philosophies with respect to food is I like to control my manufacturing. So I knew I wouldn't have Jack. We didn't think we'd lose him as soon as we did, but I knew he wouldn't be able to get product out the door anymore. So along the way, we had befriended the Golden West Food Group, just a terrific billion dollar company out in LA, 350,000 square foot plants. They loved our brand aesthetic and they wanted to be our contract manufacturer. And I said, look, I want to control my manufacturing. I want to be an equity partner with you. So we are very significant equity partners with them. So they have a national sales and distribution network. Totally. I help them when I can, but we've got a national sales and distribution network. We've got capacity. We've got transportation. We have everything down to kind of swing for the fences and go national right out of the gate. Yeah. Product looks great too. Um, so, and when you initially started, did you already have like a concept for the chicken or did you have to get into like product development and, you know, what did that upfront time look like? Yeah, we complete we we spent about a year and a half developing the intellectual property, both in terms of the brand aesthetic and the the flavor. So we developed all the intellectual property here in Detroit. We turn it over to Golden West Food Group in LA and they commercialize it for us. So we give it to them in two pound batches. They bring it up to 2000 pound batches and they are great at it. Got it. Okay. Makes sense. And then um, now you're out in market and so obviously this is uh, primarily retail. Any D2C here, e-commerce, or because it's refrigerated, uh, similar challenge as the uh, salsa? Yeah, exactly. Similar challenges as also. Got it. Okay. And so t um, what are the keys to growth? Like you next, next six to 12 months with this brand, like what are the keys to taking this to the next level? Um, is it just getting more retail presence? Is it getting more trial? Is it getting into club or other types of um, channels? Yeah, so we're searching for really unique partnerships. And my favorite is probably we partnered with Netflix. I mean, Hollywood loves us. I mean, what's there not to love, right? right. We partnered with Netflix last year and participated in their Stranger Things promotion at Walmart. That's so cool. we were one of we were one of eleven products featured there. They took our crazy crispy chicken nuggets. And just to give you an idea how strongly we believe in brand voice, brand personality, when I was meeting with the um, creative team at Netflix in Los Gatos, if you're familiar with Stranger Things, Absolutely. the main character, she goes she, she goes to something called the Upside Down. When of she course. comes up, there's a little blood <laughs> on her nose. So we told the Netflix creative team, go ahead and put some blood on a skinny butcher's nose. They pushed back, said, you're making the biggest marketing mistakes since New Coke. You can't do this. Your product. I said, look, we don't take ourselves too seriously. They did. They ran it for three months, May, June, and July in concert with the Stranger Things promotion. It was a limited time offer deal from the get-go. In the month of June, our Skinny Butcher, Crazy Crispy Chicken Nuggets, co-branded with Stranger Things, were the number one plant-based item in all of Walmart for all of June. <laughs> so crazy. we look for... <laughs> ways to differentiate ourselves from anybody else on the market. And we've got a bunch more of those come down the line. That's really, really cool and exciting. Um, you've got four SKUs today, I believe. Do you, ex do you expand beyond that or do you stick with four? And how do you think about that from a strategy perspective? Yeah, so I, I look at ways that we can meet our buyers and by extension, our customers' needs in ways that nobody else can. So we've got some spicy items that'll be coming out 
probably quarter of this year. I love we've that. Developed, yeah, we developed some fish items, which will probably be coming out third quarter. Um, and we're really proud of them. And, and we think they're they're best in class in terms of flavor profile. And again, we we think we're winning on branding with our, our really unique brand aesthetic. So looking forward to them. Man, I love that. What a cool story. And uh, I mean, like I, we could have spent like an hour just on you know any one of these. And so it's so cool to see where you are today and the, the just the growth. Let me ask you one more question. Um, when you think about the people part of it, you talked about some of your 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 partner partners, I'll say, in these businesses. How important has that been, and and or with other people that you're working with? It it seems like that has been a real big uh, kind of foundational element to both of these companies that you've built. Yeah, very true, and a very poignant point on your part. So there are so many disciplines to business, you know, sales, marketing, manufacturing, distribution, product development. Nobody has all the answers. You know, you've just got to surround yourself with people who are going to complement your talents. And Jack Aronson, in addition to being one of the greatest human beings I've ever met, he was an absolute food savant. He loved getting product out the door. He did it at a very high level, always maintain our quality. My creative director, Mike Griffin, is just brilliant. He's a genuine artist. Um, he and I do everything together. And when I say we do it together, I tell him what I need. He gives it to me. Then I tell him how brilliant it is. So you, you've just got to find people who are going to, uh, complement whatever skill set you're bringing to the table. And it's just a big part of being successful. Man, I love that. Um, so great. You got This has been so um, fun meeting you and connecting with you and, and hearing your stories. And we got to have you back on uh, down the road as you, this continues to grow. And we'll have fun seeing your uh, product and market. Before we go, though, share with our audience where they can find the brands, connect with you, uh, learn more about Skinny Butcher, et cetera. Beautiful. So we've got a great website called skinnybutcher.com. And we're currently in distribution at Costco in their Midwest region, select Safeway and Albertson regions, Gelson's in Southern California, a bunch of independents in New York and throughout the Midwest. So we formally started launching a few months ago. So we're in launch mode. But I, I'm really thrilled with the response we're getting from both retailers and consumers. So great, man. Um, like I said, so great having you on. Dave Zoko, CEO and founder of Skinny Butcher and the former... Gosh, founder of Garden Fresh Gourmet. It's been so great having you with us and uh, looking forward to having you back. Beautiful. Thank you. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>